We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, today we have a very special guest joining us. It's Stefan No from the Sporting News. Steph, thanks so much for uh, coming to join us. Steph has really just become one of the best NBA writers going right now. From the comments of Bloggable to the Sporting News, <laughs> went viral on Twitter all the time. You've I, I feel like I've loved watching your rise stuff because you just have such a sharp eye for the game. And I feel like, you know, in NBA coverage, it's pretty oversaturated with people doing similar things, but you always find unique angles and unique observations. And uh, it's been awesome to see you right on a national level, but selfishly, Jason and I had to get you on our pod to talk about the Bulls because, of course, you are an experienced veteran Bulls podcaster uh, yourself back in the day. Or you hit it big time. So uh, what's going on, dude? Thanks for joining us. I'm just going to get right into it because it's the one question that I think is going to determine the Bulls offseason. In your opinion, will they, should they keep together the trio of Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, and DeMar DeRozan? Obviously, Vooch, free agent, uh, unrestricted. The Bulls reportedly this week started extension talks with him. Uh, so I think like that'll be the first decision that really determines the offseason. Like, are they sticking with this core, this trio? Will they blow it up? Would you like to see them blow it up? Where does your head go when you hear that stuff? Yeah, I like how you frame the question as a two-parter, will they and should they? So <laughs> will they? I think that they probably will re-sign Vucevic. There's this term that cap nerds use, uh, the bird rights trap, basically like they have bird rights on Vooch and they that allows them to get to a high number to bring him back, but they can't like let's say they bring him back for 20 million. They can't choose between bringing him back for 20 million or signing someone else for 20 million just because okay. of like how the cap rules work. So they might only have, you know, they'll have like 12 million 
to replace him if they they don't choose to bring him back. So that makes it pretty tough. Like you kind of, yeah, you're kind of forced in a getting him back if you can get him at a reasonable number and then hoping that you can trade him down the line. Um, as for, so that's what I think they will do is keep those three guys and then wait until the summer, see if anything good is out there. I think they would be open to moving one of those guys, but you have to get some players who can actually contribute back. Like, I don't think they're just going to trade these guys for like, Tank. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to, they're, they're going to trade Zach for, you know, three picks and salary filler. Like they have to get at least one productive player back. Um, what they should do, what I would do if I was them is, uh, I definitely would trade at least one of those guys and I would try to trade two or even three. I mean, you guys know this. I don't, I don't need to tell you guys this. Like the, <laughs> the team is certainly capped out. Like our, the ceiling is on this team at, you know, maybe they get into the second round if they're lucky. Um, and you know, it's an aging team. So like, I don't, I think their window where DeMar is still young enough to contribute. What is he now? Like 33, which is around that same age too, 33, 34. Um, yeah, there are options of, you know, trying to squeeze the most out of those guys for the next two years or, you know, take a tiny step back or maybe a medium step back. Like I, I think if we were general managers, we would definitely pick that. But um, yeah, it seems like they really do not want to go that way. So that kind of sets up what I was going to ask you next, which is that, you know, the Bulls had the heat on the ropes in the fourth quarter <laughs> of the play-in tournament, Steph. That was big-time stuff, of course. The Bulls got slaughtered at the end of that game, and Max Drews played incredible. Um, but has the Heat's run, or has anything else that happened in the playoffs made you more bullish on the Bulls' chances to make a playoff run or at least win a series? With the current core mostly in place, and I'm going to say that that's, you know, Vooch, DeRozan, and Levine. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think that, you know, we have this group chat where I think that I'm higher than most of the guys in there on the Bulls core, but not as they're currently constructed. Like, the, I think that the shooting is just holding them back so, so much. I mean, you look at how the Heat have succeeded. They don't have... I mean, like, I think only three of their eight rotation players in the playoffs were drafted or something crazy like that. Um, so what they do is they have these guys that are just really, really good shooters that try hard on defense. And I'm thinking of the Bulls, and they don't have a single one of those guys. <laughs> and they have, like, five, you know? So I think loading up on those types of players is so important. It's not just because those guys hit a lot of threes. It's because they open stuff up for Jimmy Butler. You know, like the paint is just so clogged for DeMar and Zach every single time they get the ball. And they're still the fact that they're still able to create good offense is such a testament to how good these guys are. I I think they're actually like pretty underappreciated, even in Chicago and definitely across the rest of the league. Um, Just because like the situation they're working in is so bad. Uh, and it's it's like not that hard, I feel like, to correct. I mean, we're going to go through some free agents here, and you have a list. And, I mean, how hard is it really to find the next Gabe Vincent out there? Like, I think I think it is. It's kind of hard because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But I think the key to finding the next Gabe Vincent is you got to cycle through a lot of guys, right? And the Bulls like, aren't doing it's that. A, it's a volume play, right? And the Bulls haven't done that. They just hold on to these guys. They know who they are. They know these guys can't shoot. Um, and like that, that's just 
not the way to do it at all. We would call that continuity. I believe that's supposed to be a great thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely right about that. Uh, I mean, so you bring up Gabe Vincent and Max Shrews. I mean, th- those two are both free agents, correct? Like, do we think, I, I guess I'm not really sure, like, even like Caleb Martin, I think he's going to be a free, I think a bunch of their no, guys. Caleb Martin's, going- uh, he's oh, got. Oh, no, he does have one more years. year. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Correct. Uh, but yeah, like Shrews is. Um, I th- and I think Vincent is too, but like you do obviously whatever. If these guys are gonna like parlay this, I mean the Bulls will have the mid level. Like, is is it the key? Like, would you go after those guys as p- possible ar- targets, or do you think it is the matter of like finding the next those guys who are super cheap? I don't. I wouldn't target those guys just because I think guys. It's it's similar to uh, Ricky. I mean, you're familiar with this from the draft. Like guys who go really deep in the NCAA tournament, they tend yeah. to get overdrafted. <laughs> right. I think guys that get this exposure. Like they're they're gonna get overpaid, like the Gabe Vincents. But there are there are a ton of Gabe Vincents in the league, you know, that just like yeah. are on bad teams or didn't get a lot of playing time for whatever reason. Um, and you have a couple on this list, like uh, just one example that pops in my mind is like uh, Yuta Watanabe, who I think the Bulls should definitely go after. Like he was out of the rotation for the Nets because they have seven wings on their roster. But I mean, the guy was leading the league in three point percentage. He was shooting like over 50% for most of the year on low volume granted, but like you can get that guy super cheap and get five of those guys instead of t- like the, the player that the bulls have targeted are these guys that can't shoot that are really good defenders. Yeah. Like uh, energy guys, Javante you know, like Derek Jones, Jr. Derek Jones. You know, like all those guys, like that, that's the wrong archetype to be focusing on. Yeah. That's the total wrong archetype <laughs> because the league is so, I mean, you can't compete unless you have shooting. If you're going to take a shot on a guy, take a shot on a shooter that has not been able to play defense well enough or has other flaws in his game and see if you can coach those other things up. I mean, that's that's what I would be doing about the Bulls. Hey, they tried Matt Thomas. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that was a, that was a fine shot. Like, yeah, absolutely. Matt I agree. Thomas's, you know? Yeah. The other frustrating thing about that, though, is that like while the Bulls do draft sort of toolsy guys while sort of fading shooting, it seems like, then they don't try to develop them as shooters. They don't really have a dedicated shooting coach on the team. Uh, it's been an issue for them just having like small staff, poor developmental infrastructure. So yeah, like you got to try to develop guys in some way. And uh, you're right that it does seem like they've targeted the wrong sort of guy. So I guess like before we get into like who could be available free agents, we should lay out uh, what the Bulls could be working with. And I think I said this on the last episode, but I'm just going to use this as a rough framework because uh, Bleacher Nation laid it out pretty good. They said if Booch signs for 18 million a year, Kobe White signs for 13 million a year and Io signs for 4 million a year and all of those, maybe a tad below market value. Like, I don't know if Kobe's going to get 13. I could see him getting 13. Vooch probably going to get more than 18. Whatever. This is what we're using. Uh, then the Bulls would have eight and a half million to play with below the luxury tax. Now they would actually have 12 million to play with, but the Bulls don't actually care about being a ser- serious team uh, to improve in every way. And they would not pay the luxury tax because Jerry wants that fat handout at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like, you know, do you. Like, who could you get for that $8 million range? I sort of agree with you, Steph. Well, I definitely agree with you. That if they're going to keep the big three together, you probably need two shooters. And I would probably, like, swing a trade for a shooter, too. Uh, you mentioned Yuta Watanabe, who I, I put together just, like, a quick list of the top 80 free agents. I think Max Struess could be pretty interesting. Uh, 
And just like another thing I've noticed during these playoffs is someone like Duncan Robinson, who is totally out of the Heat's rotation for this entire regular season. Why uh, was Duncan Robinson not playing? Well, it would be easy to say because he's a terrible defensive player. Uh, also, Duncan Robinson just wasn't hitting shots. You're right. He was not shooting like 40 percent again. <laughs> You know, one thing I've noticed in the playoffs is like, okay, even if Duncan Robinson sucks defensively, he's still 6'8". So if he gets in front of you, he can still contest you a little bit more. Whereas it really seems like the guys who have targets on their chest in the playoffs defensively are small guys. It's normally like, you know, the smallest guy on the floor is the guy you're going after. Not necessarily, you know, the worst athlete, which would be someone like Duncan Robinson, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, 8 million a year, like, who, who else do you see potentially or, you know, do, do you think that do you agree that, you know, they just would need to try to add one marquee shooter, split it up between two marquee shooters, whatever it is. I mean, you talk about small guys. Seth Curry is on this list, but like he is a really good tough. shooter and like probably pretty cheap. I would guess I don't remember what he made recently. I mean, Malik Beasley, who fell out of the Lakers rotation. Um, How about Niang? George Niang. Yeah, I mean, he's a 40% three-point shooter guy. And he was pretty and helpful for the Sixers. Yeah. Um, I would take a ch- chance on all those guys. Ricky, to answer your question, I think they need way more than two guys. I think you're aiming too low. I think they, <laughs> they need to sign like four or five or six guys that can shoot and hope that three of them pan out into like top eight rotation players for them. Sure. Um, yeah, and I think you're right about you know, the, these shooters, there's a ton of shooters, not even in the NBA, like throughout the world that don't get a shot because whatever, they don't have the athleticism, they're bad defenders or and so on and so forth. But what we've seen in these playoffs is like teams are getting a lot more sophisticated at hiding bad defenders. Like you look at the heat, you look at how even before Duncan Robinson was going off, I mean, Tyler here is a terrible defender too. Teams are constantly targeting him. But, you know, Spose found ways. He's played this 2-3 zone, zone where he can hide bad defenders, yep. you know, in the, in the back of that zone. He, you know, other teams like the Celtics have pre-switched guys out of matchups and um, there's ways to do it. You know, that like, yeah, there, there are teams using these like roaming big men now. So even if your bad defenders do get beat off the dribble, there's like a huge big guy back there. That's another thing the Bulls need, by the way, is like some sort of rim protection if they are going to go this way where, you know, maybe their perimeter defense suffers a little bit, but like there's ways to clean that up. So I do think that like a lot of these shooters, they just need to find the right fit with the right personnel around them, like different combinations of personnel in order to be able to play on the court. So the Bulls just need to experiment, you know, and like uh, try something else because we we know what this product is, you know, we know that they need shooting. We know they need shot blocking. So like, let's go. Like, what are we waiting for? Uh, all right. Rank these three players by how much you want them back while operating under a reasonable assumption of what their contract will be. So whatever contract you think is a reasonable contract for them is going to factor into these rankings, perhaps. But the three players are, of course, Kobe White, Io DeSumo, and Patrick Beverly. How would you rank those in terms of the priority? Or, you know, do you say, I don't want any of these, I don't feel strongly about any of these guys coming back? Uh, what, do, what do you think when you hear that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want any of the back. <laughs> if if you sign those guys on a minimum, then that's fine. You know, it's like uh, they're they're not bad players. That's the thing. It's like what I'm saying. All these role players, you need to find the right fit for them. And the Bulls are not absolutely not the right fit for these guys. Um, so yeah, those are those are rotation spots where just take a shot on uh, you know these these names that you have on this list are pretty good. I think like even a guy like. Uh, 
Daniel House, right? Like he sucked for the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get any playing time and like one good playoff game. playoffs. Yeah. He, yeah. He had one good playoff game, but like he can shoot the crap out of the ball. He'd be so valuable on the bulls and maybe he still is unplayable, but you can bring that guy on a minimum and you know, it's going to cost you like 2 million bucks if he doesn't work out. Uh, so other names on this list, I see you have shake Milton on here. Another guy on the Sixers who's like at the back of their rotation because they're a smart team where they just get all these shooters and see if they can work, you know? So th- there's another guy, uh, Actually, you have Alec Burks on this list. He's a really good player. He's a good two-way player. I would definitely give him, you know. Is he in the Pistons this year? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I forgot where he was. <laughs> he might take He might take the full $8 million to get him. Um, but he would be a good uh, rotation player, too. The Bulls do have, like, they have a little bit more spending flexibility, too, than you guys mentioned. Like, they have the $12 million mid-level exception. A biannual. The $4 million biannual, yeah. So they have $16 million total. You can't combine those. The problem is, like, as you said, Ricky, they're going to go into the tax if they use those, but it is possible. And if they really got creative, I mean, they could, you know, they could uh, apply for this, like, disabled player, yeah, disabled player exception for Alonzo. They could wave and stretch some guys. I mean, there's ways to get the number down where they're still not in the luxury, uh, luxury tax area and like still use these full exceptions. They just, Need to be creative, which they have shown the the capability of doing when they did get Lonzo and Caruso and all these other guys. So, I mean, I do think it's within the realm of possibility. Um, yeah, but I would, I really think they need to turn over like at least six spots in this roster. So, I do want to ask about Kobe. I know you've never really been a Kobe guy, and I do think Kobe got better at the end of last season with the need for shooting. Do you, is your issue just do you think he's going to cost too much and just like they could do? They could use that money elsewhere, or do you just like now? You just don't think he's good. Don't just don't think in general he's good enough, and you'd rather cycle it out and try on somebody else. So you just don't think there's enough upside there anymore. Because I've never really I've soured on Kobe a lot as well, but I do think he showed some improvement at the end of last season, the last couple of months. Still a pretty streaky shooter, but he does get them up in volume, and it is again kind of important given what we just talked about with the importance of just having guys who will shoot the shit out of the ball. Still, again, kind of streaky, but um, like, what is there a number you would bring him back, or do you just think you just, he's they need to cycle the spot out? No, I mean, there's a number that I'd bring him back at. Yeah, so I I've never been super high on Kobe just because I have a natural propensity to um, like players with really high feel, and I don't like players with low feel, even if they're good at other stuff. And I think Kobe definitely falls into that latter bucket. Um, but his skill set is extremely needed like i said they need three-point shooting i do agree with you that he's gotten better so i've warmed up to kobe bringing him back he's just not like naturally the type of player that i enjoy watching necessarily but uh, yeah i mean if they could bring him back like 10 million a year or something like i think that's fine uh so i would say you know the bulls biggest need if they're going to be a levine duros and vooch team is shooting obviously but what's their second biggest need i would say it's like wing depth uh, obviously, they you could go a lot of different ways. Mentioned rib protection has before. more than one issue for sure. But you know they built the number five defense in the league with somehow horrible rim protection and yeah. without Lonzo Ball while he was making twenty million on the cap sheet. So uh, I think it's just wing depth. Like so often they played like three and four guard lineups, and it felt like Pat is the only forward on the entire team. So curious, uh, you know, just how you feel about. Uh, the team's other weaknesses beyond shooting, if you agree with me on wing depth, and then one bottom barrel free agent I'm going to throw at you, Steph, who 
uh, I think could be good, but, you know, shoot me down if you think this is a dumb idea. How about Dario Saric, who actually looked kind of decent when he came back last year for the Oklahoma City Thunder after the trade? Uh, the Suns shamefully traded him to save money, I believe, after acquiring Kevin Durant. And, you know, he's a guy who could maybe play the four or the five, could give you uh, a little bit of shooting and just generally like a high IQ skill set. So that is my favorite, super under the radar. <laughs> A uh, free agent for this year for the Bulls, who probably wouldn't cost you too much money, Dario Saric. Yeah, I think Saric is a good role player. Like he was, he had times where he was like pretty good for the Suns. Um, like you said, I don't think he would cost a ton of money. So I, I like that. I uh, was sorry. What was the first part of your question? Just you know, what what else do you think the team needs to address? Oh, yeah, biggest needs. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Like they have basically one wing. On the on the roster, Pat Williams, and that's <laughs> unacceptable. Like we have known for years. I mean, uh, you know, Charks was writing ten years ago about how the teams that are going to be the best in the NBA are the ones that just stockpile wings, and that turned out to be hundred percent true. Uh, so to have one is just like insane. I mean, you just you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so yeah. What they need is wings that can shoot. Like Jay Crowder's another guy who the Bucks traded all this stuff to get him. And he didn't play him. Yeah, he didn't even play. So I don't know if he's gonna return there. Uh he's tanked his value. Maybe he could come back at a reason. I I don't I don't think he'll make more than eight million. Yeah, I mean maybe with a new coach they bring was I mean he called out like the like I think Bud in the organization when he didn't play. So like I don't think he probably wants to go back. And like unless whatever Adrian Griffin maybe whoever convinces him, but I, I'm assuming he could be had for super cheap. For sure, yeah. Uh, and then, like, to play into that, like, Dalen, you know, do you think he can have a role next year? It sounds like if you think they need six new players, I'm assuming that you're not, like, jacked up to hand-wrap Dalen rotation minutes next year. I just kind of feel like if you're going to have, if you're going to trade all your draft picks, like the ones you keep, you can't just totally punt. And right. they did totally punt his rookie season. I believe he played fewer minutes than any first-round pick in the league last year. We talk about a lack of wing depth on the team. While Dalen does have a guard skill set, I believe he's 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan or 7'1 wingspan. Uh, certainly he needs a lot of refinement as a shooter, but you know, maybe he could help juice your transition opportunities. Maybe he'd be a pretty good backcourt pairing with Zach Levine as someone who could take on, uh, you know, just tougher defensive assignments against bigger guards. So, you know, what do you think about Dalen? I know he didn't show us too much. Like, are you, where's your confidence level with that? Is it at a zero? Do you have any hope for him? How are you feeling about Dalen? I definitely would not trade Dalen uh, just because his value is, probably pretty low right now and i do i still am uh about i mean i'm pretty high on him i'm equally as high as i was when they took him because i mean they knew when they took him that he was going to be a project like he was really raw like when he was on the court he he basically had no idea what he was doing (laughs) but he still made a lot of positive plays just because he has um good tools and a ton of energy uh, so I, I do think there's a moldable player there, but when you draft somebody that you know is going to be a project, there has to be an expectation that you know it's going to take a couple of years. So I think that people do need to be patient with him. Yeah, and of course he is just another one of those guys who just energy defensive guy who can't shoot. So he's just like another one of those players on this team. So just it was just weird. Um, let's talk about I guess some of the the big whatever Demar and Zach. Let's go into the Demar and Zach stuff. Um, 
we obviously talked about the core. We don't think they're, we think they'll probably bring it back, but you talk about us maybe wanting to see if they're at least look into possible trades here. Are there any trades that have been on your mind as a possibility for either of those guys? I know we've kind of heard the Portland number three pick and like, they're going to look for win now help to help Dame. And we've heard the names like Michael Bridges and Pascal Siakam and maybe Jalen Brown gets into this mix or even OG. Uh, And then you have Damar and Zach here. Uh, Do you think, I, I know we talked to Sean Hyken on a recent pod and he doesn't think, that Zach and Damar are really kind of high on those lists, but I mean, you never know who actually will be available. Maybe if none of those guys are available, maybe they turn to the Bulls, or if there are any other trades. Uh, we know, like, the, whatever the Nixons supposedly looked into Zach, they obviously made a pretty nice run here. Jalen Brunson rules, uh, Julius Randle d- did not. Um, but I don't know if like they're really desperate to make that after not pulling the trigger on the Mitchell trade, will they be like whatever looking to cash in on any, any assets for any a guy like that? Any of those for either of those guys, any trades you are looking at possibly that you would make that you think could be out there. Um, right yeah. now, who knows? <laughs> I want to I want to flip this question to Ricky. Okay. And uh, would Ricky, would you trade Zach and Demar for a chance to that number three pick? Because I think I probably would, given Ooh. given that you have to take advantage of the Hornets being total idiots and not taking Scoot Henderson. <laughs> Like if I had a chance at Scoot, I'm not a draft guy like you, but uh, I have, you know, I watched, I don't know, like four or five of Scoot's games up to this point. Um, I mean, it seems like he would be a number one pick in a lot of different drafts and the chance for that kind of upside, like that's extremely valuable. So, so what say you, Ricky, you're the, you're the expert here. Yeah. Steph talks about all he, how all he cares about is shooting and now he's trying to take. <laughs> true, true. I'm just kidding. Scoot Henderson, I think, uh, is he's at least as good of a sh- three-point shooting prospect as like John Morant, who's turned into a decent three-point shooter, or like an easy comparison for him would be De'Aaron Fox. I think he has more upside than someone like De'Aaron Fox because he is just so strong. I mean, the guy is a monster when he gets into the paint. His ability to absorb contact, play through contact, should make him someone who can really draw a lot of fouls in the NBA and uh, yeah, I'm really high on Scoot Henderson. Uh, would I trade DeMar and Zach for the opportunity to draft Scoot? I'll say I wouldn't do that trade for the opportunity to draft Brandon Miller. So sure. I want to know that Scoot's there. Uh, I have Miller as the fifth best prospect in this class so far, just on uh, you know where I have the board right now, which means he's still a good prospect, but not quite number two overall level. Um, yeah, I guess that, so it comes down to how close do you think the bulls are to maybe going on a little bit of a playoff run? Do you think that if they were to get a couple good shooters in the mix and turn over some roster spots, get some shooting around Zach, DeMar and Vooch that they could win one or two playoff series? Like what's the likelihood that that actually happens is I think what this comes down to. I think they could win one. Two is uh, stretching it. I think they could be like a high 40s team next season if, yeah. if, if everything breaks right. Sure. If they really load up on shooting around those guys. Now, how they do that with a mandate to not go into the luxury tax is going to be really difficult. If they could go into the luxury tax, it would be a little <laughs> easier. But they handicap themselves on that one. Plus, it seems like they're going to handicap themselves on not trying to get the uh, disabled player exception for Lonzo. So... I'll stop filibustering. Would I do it? Yeah. Hell yeah. Scoot Henderson's awesome. If the Bulls could get him, uh, you know, he just gives you a new franchise star to build around. 
maybe Dalen would be a good match with him too, because Dalen's huge for a guard, and you know, Scoot is he's pretty small. Uh, but I was at the combine and I saw Scoot walking around, and Scoot is insanely jacked. Like, I just think he's gonna be a great NBA player because his athletic gifts are so phenomenal, and he's pretty damn good in the pick and roll. I think he like just knows how to manipulate the pick and roll like a pro guard, which he has been a pro guard the last two years. Um, and he just his athletic gifts give him a lot of easy opportunities for buckets. So, yeah, I'd trade I'd trade Zach and Demar. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. But what would that or trade even look like? like? That's like that's gonna be what, yeah, like I mean, six, it's a, it's a pure sixty fantasy. or seventy million yeah. <laughs> in outgoing salary. So they'd have to bring back what Simons, like Nurkic, and a bunch of other stuff. But obviously, the, the you're getting the third pick. That's obviously what you're trying to do, and whatever you're, anything else. I mean, Simons is a decent young player. Uh, I don't know if Simons and Scoot. What that would look you know, like. I think the Blazers but, actually have a ton of cap space. So you can absorb, okay. you wouldn't have to match salary on that kind of trade, right? Yeah, like you could just absorb one of them straight into the cap. But uh, yeah, I mean that's probably not happening. I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just illustrating like yeah. uh, as far as value. I I think that right. yeah, I would I would take Scoot just to, for a value play. Sure. Uh, and then let's look. I sort of want to hammer home like Zach because like you know I saw Levine trending on Twitter today, and I clicked on it. I'm like, why the fuck is Levine trending? And it was just people debating who's better between Zach Levine or Jalen Brown. Would you trade Zach Levine for Jalen Brown? My initial split second seeing that my first thought without doing any research is, yeah, I would trade Zach Levine for Jalen Brown. Then I think about it a little bit more. Jalen's going to have a much bigger contract. Uh, Jalen, two years younger, but 
you know, he hasn't shown he can be a number one on a good team either. So I don't necessarily want to ask you about Zach Levine for Jalen Brown, but I do want to ask you where you're at with potentially trading Zach this year. Uh, he's 28. He turns 29 in March. Uh, he had a pretty good year after a slow start. I think he hit 37.5% of his threes on seven attempts per game, averaged about 25 a game or 24 a game, somewhere in that range. So, uh, you know, Zach Levine, I don't know how Bulls fans feel about him, but uh, or if there is a consensus on how we feel about Zach, but Zach's a pretty, I don't think there is damn good player. Yeah. And he's currently the 16th highest paid player in the NBA, but you know, as these new extensions, guys, yeah. yeah, as these new extensions start to kick in, like his contract may not look horrible uh, in the future because he didn't get the super max. He just got, you know, a standard max. So uh, where are you at with, uh, with Zach right now, Steph and, you know, to you, what would be a good Zach trade? Just even if it's hypothetically, I know you mentioned like wanting to get a proven player, like, you know, like where's your willingness to trade Zach? What's a good Zach trade look like? All that stuff. Yeah. So I think that uh, to me, Jalen and Zach are pretty close. Like if you traded those guys for each other, I think the bulls would just be going sideways. Um, So that's not something I would necessarily consider. And I want to go back to a topic that I'm sure people are sick of hearing about, which is the Jimmy Butler trade. You know, I thought the Butler trade was completely idiotic. Like, you can go back and read everything I wrote. I was, like, so against it. And you guys were, too. And the reason why was because, um, you know, I went on this podcast, and you guys talked about it a ton, too. We thought that Jimmy Butler was roughly a top-10 player, I would say. You know, when the Bulls had D-Rose, I mean, he was in the top-10 at his peak. You know, he won an MVP, obviously. So I think the Bulls fans were kind of spoiled. And, you know, of course, Michael Jordan, too. Bulls fans were spoiled into thinking, like, oh, yeah, you know, getting a top-10 player or whatever, it's not that that hard. It's really, really hard. <laughs> like, you can go 30, 40, 50 years without getting a top-10 player, which was the point that I was trying to make. Like, they're not going to be able to replace Jimmy Butler. And to thus far, they have not been able to do that. So that this is very different, though, from a situation where you trade Zach Levine. Because to me... Zach is like a top 20 player, maybe top 25, somewhere in that range, right? They're 20 to 30 is about right. Like fringe all-star type. Yeah, Yeah, like those guys get moved all the time. They get traded all the time. You find them in in the draft all the time. Like that's way, way easier. So if you wanted to move Zach, I'm cool with that. Like I wouldn't just trade him to trade him certainly because he is young and like it's hard to find a 28-year-old, 29-year-old that you have team control on for a while that is in that range. But the point is, like, yes, it is possible to get back to the point where they're at now. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and it, it, w- I, it was so clear to me that it's not possible to do that when they traded Jimmy. Like, it, you're you're really betting on long odds trying to find the next Jimmy Butler, you know, in the next 10 years. Um, yeah, so I guess that's my answer to your question, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, if if they keep Levine, and he, as long as he stays healthy and is available for most of the games, I think he's going to play up to his contract. So I'm not really worried about like, oh, he makes so much money moving yeah. forward. It's more just like, okay, can they build a good team with him on it? Uh, because they've never really done that before. I mean, they did it for three months, but that's it. So he is turning 29. Uh, you know, potentially, if if I were trading him, I would want a big bundle of draft picks. And then, yeah. uh, you know, one solid guy. I mean, the other thing about like when they did build around him and when they were successful, it took DeMar being playing like a top 10 player for that to happen, right? So like, how are they going to get back to that point uh, where DeMar was clearly playing above his head? Um, And 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, yeah. unless they got like a lottery pick. Right. Yeah, Zach just like can't carry a team to like all those wins. Like I think he's really obviously a really good offensive player, but just like his, his handles and his decision making is still just too shaky. He's obviously not a great defensive player. Because like with Jimmy, he just controls so much of the game because he doesn't turn the ball over. And obviously he's one of the best defensive players in the league. And like you could just see how much he can control a game by himself. And like, just like Zach has never really been that as good as he is. And that's just like the difference why Jimmy has led teams to the finals and Zach has never really led a team anywhere. As much as I like Zach, just like the clear, very clear difference there. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's so, a good player. Like it's, yeah. uh, he's very valuable, but yeah, like they're, <laughs> they're just like you said, Jason, they're just capped if, if he's their best player. Yeah. Which is tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is. Yeah. But yeah, again, yeah, I, I I've, I've come around. And it's like I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit because when they did trade, make that trade, like he's coming off a torn ACL, uh, and he was just kind of like a gunner, just like a su- again, super just like raw pr- player. Like clearly the athleticism, and the shooting was there, but he's gotten better almost every single season he's been in the league, and like he's gotten to a point where he is yeah, t- top twenty ish guy when he's at his best, which is still really good. It's just not a top ten, top five. I mean, Jimmy's a, basically a top three playoff performer this season. It's basically him and Jokic. And then like Devin Booker was kind of there too. But I mean, Jimmy has brought a team with this performance to a finals multiple times. I don't know. And almost three times, uh, which is just crazy because, because he's able to just play as a playoff player, rise to the occasion. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be it's just tough to make deep playoff runs when you don't have at least one guy doing that. So it's like a matter of, yeah, if you're trading Zach, I probably, you probably do just have to whatever, go into rebuild mode. It would be hard. I feel like it'd just be, feel weird to like trade him for other pieces and try to what then build around like Damar and Vooch. Like I don't even know what they would do if they were trying to trade Zach for like not a bundle of draft picks. Um just yeah, again I, makes it makes it a tough situation. Yeah, go ahead. I understand why they don't want to trade him too. I mean like yeah he, right in addition in addition to being a really good player, like he's been such a good soldier through this whole rebuild, yeah. which is that's also extremely rare to find. He's been know? very pretty loyal. <laughs> yeah. yeah and he's a he's a seems like a very, very low maintenance star. Uh, great teammate, you know, never really complains. Like when he does screw up in games, uh, he has like shifted the blame here. There was and there, the Billy but... stuff. There was the Billy stuff this year when he got benched. Yeah, which but, kind but of most was... most of the yeah. time though, he'll like point the finger at himself and yeah. say, you know, I screwed up or I need to be better. All this stuff. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, they they built this guy up from they didn't know what he was going to be. So there is that emotional attachment that the Bulls yeah. have had with a ton of their players. That's been one of their big problems is they have this endowment effect where they're more attached we like to our guys, guys. but not jimmy butler <laughs> yeah well i mean jimmy jimmy was abrasive you know and that's yeah. that's the, also the type of guys that the bulls really like is guys that are just like smooth sailing you know they don't want these guys that are gonna make waves uh which zach is not gonna do right yeah yeah so looking at the you know where levine ranked in the league with a salary of 37 million this year it really helped you appreciate uh, if not appreciate, just like take note of how underpaid Demar was. So Demar making twenty seven million a year was the forty seventh highest paid player. So Demar extension eligible, uh, he has one year on his contract remaining, which is next season. Uh, if I were to say, Steph, you know the Bulls re-signed Demar Derozan to a considerable raise, is your snap reaction to that? That's a massive mistake. Do you think maybe they should do that to protect the asset? Or do you think you got to trade him right now? What do you think of a a considerable raise for DeMar DeRozan on an extension? 
I'd be fine with that. I think I don't know the extension rules off the top of my head. I think they have to be like three years though. Um, so that's where I would get a little bit more concerned, like the years, not the dollars. I think his max is like a four-year, what it's like maybe 140-ish. Yeah, and if I signed him to an extension though, like yeah. it would be it would be to trade him, you know. Cause I again, like the they're already just the way age curves work, you know, he's gonna go downhill from this point. So it's hard for the team to get better from an already mediocre spot that they're at. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I, my thing is just, but I feel like you just can't sink more money. Like DeMar has earned that extension. Like, like get that money tomorrow. Like he is outplayed. As you said, Ricky outplayed the contract that he's got with the bulls. I know a lot of people thought that contract was bad. He has outplayed it. He has earned a big extension, but if the, yeah, if the bulls came out and gave him the max extension, he can get, Again, what it's like four years and a hundred and whatever the heck it would be. I think like 140, 150, maybe even 160. Like that just seems like it'd be an atrocious mistake. Like, I can you trade that for anything for much, a lot of value when he, I mean, at the end of that, actually, I don't even know. Is what's the above? What's the above? Is it 36 or 38? I don't even know if that would come into play here if they tried to give him that extension. There's some weird cap rules about. I feel like extending or like new contracts for guys that are that older. I don't want to go into that minutia, but. My snap reaction would be that that's a mistake as much as it would be like DeMar, get that money. You've earned it. But for the Bulls, I feel like that'd be not great. It just seems like like you said, with the age curve, I just don't know the value of that kind of contract moving forward, even though he has absolutely earned it with this play in the last couple of years. I wonder if uh, I'm just spitballing here thinking as you guys are talking, I wonder if the Rockets would be interested in one of those guys because they're Harden. Yeah. You know, they're linked to Harden. Udo. He made yeah, the third pick, just... fourth pick, fourth pick, right? Yeah. There have been rumors like... out there about them shopping yeah. it, possibly. It seems like they want to accelerate stuff. They're terrible this season when they thought they were going to be taking a step forward. Uh, they also just, I don't know if you guys saw this, they like poached or they're in the process of I mean, poaching all the Celtics. Celtics yeah, saw that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Celtics are losing like five of their top assistants in the last two years. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. But back to the Rockets, like they have a ton of young players that don't really fit well together young prospects so i kind of want and they have a lot of cap space too so they could just maybe take one of these guys straight into their cap or do an uneven salary trade i, I kind of wonder if that could be a landing spot they could uh I mean, isn't, isn't the comparison for jalen green like being like zach levine like that's kind of like his deal is that is that right ricky like that he's that's kind so. of like what they hope that he could be um maybe even better but like maybe they would just do that they swap out jalen green and they just get zach like, I, but I don't think they would do like three and Jalen Green for Zach, would they? It would probably need more from the. I don't know. Would, would, like, would that be what would that trade look like? What do we think? I can't think of a, how that would work out, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that is or four. Sorry, I keep saying three. Three is the Blazers, four is Houston, four and like Jalen Green for whatever. For Zach Levine, like would would they would the Rockets do that if they are if they are that desperate to accelerate? Maybe they would. I don't know uh, if they, because if they're bringing in Harden, who knows? Like it does the Harden thing there is super funny given that's been like telegraphed for so long and uh, just yeah, how maybe maybe four and Shingun they would do. I think they're really attached. They seem to be really attached to Dylan Green. They do. Yeah, maybe I, one of those other guys, Tar yeah. Eason. I would definitely take him. I love him. One pick away, right? He he went yeah. seventeen, right? Right before the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunate. Um. Ricky, do you have any other Bulls questions before yeah. we maybe talk so about the finals? We've been, we've, yeah. yeah, we've been sort of dancing around it, but you know, Steph, you can uh, you can go any way you want with this. You can keep it quick, whatever you prefer. But uh, just 
the Steph no Bulls offseason plan. We've talked about a lot of potential ways they can go. Uh, what do you think? What do you think their plan should be this offseason? Okay, so yeah, I mean, I would just take a ton of shots on a bunch of these shooters, like I said. So I probably, I mean, I like Iowa a lot. If he wants to come back in the minimum, that's fine. If he wants more than that, then I would probably just let him walk. Kobe, I said, you know, like 10 million is probably a good number for him. I think Vucevic, yeah, you kind of have to bring him back because you can't get anything better than him if you are trying to win. I mean, I'm also totally for just, you know, trading two or three of the of the stars and just tearing it down. But this is this is my plan, assuming that, you know, they want to be as good as they can be next season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see some of these other names. Christian Wood, I think, would be a great fit on this team. And the Mavs are not going to bring him back. Uh, just volume three point shooting from the big spot. That's that's really what you want. And, you know, the thing about guys like Christian Wood is like, yes, they have a ton of problems, but that's what the Bulls need to do. They need to take a bunch of shots on guys who have destroyed their value. Hope that half of them pan out. Um, let's see some other names on your list here. Yeah, you mentioned Yang, who I think is is a really good candidate. Tory Craig, another guy who is only going to make a couple million bucks. He, you know, good three and D player. Probably doesn't shoot quite enough as what the Bulls would be looking for. Um, yeah, so that's my handful of guys here that I would uh, go for. Just like yeah, five of these guys that make less than six million, five or six million a year. That's what I'm trying to target. Load up on cheap shooters is the Steph No plan. Is basically what we're going for. Take these shots, shoot your shot on these shooters. I'll basically. give you a G League guy too, uh, Hyunjung Lee, Ricky. I don't know what you had him on your board last year. He did not get drafted. He suffered like a really bad ankle injury. He was projected. He had a second round grade. Ricky, your type of player. What you're talking about? He's got height. I think he's six eight. Great shooter. Um was terrible in the G League <laughs> when he got a chance, but uh sign that guy to a two-way, you know. Give these uh big shooting prospects a chance. And I mean he, Steph didn't say it, but here he told us his offseason plan, and that is trade Damar and Zach for Scoot Henderson, which I think <laughs> yeah. is an awesome plan. Put That's that great... uh put that on the title of the show. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. I'll put it in the so, maybe somebody aggregate me. <laughs> oh my god. Uh and then maybe we'll see if Justin Lewis pans out. I believe Ricky, I think Ricky might have brought this up last pod that they're hoping that he returns from his ACL. Maybe another young guy they oh, we'll cycle see. in. I mean, that could be another forward sized guy yeah, in wing ACL type guy. Year. Yeah. I thought right. he was a really good prospect coming out of Marquette, though Marquette got better without him. So <laughs> you know, what does that really Anyways. say <laughs> uh, about him? But yeah, I think he'd be an interesting two way guy. I'm, I'm cool with him coming back on a two way. Uh, you know, the Bulls. Let Max Struess go after he tore his ACL. Yeah, when right. He was on two way with them. So just because you tore your ACL doesn't mean, uh, you know, you necessarily need to cut loose. But you know who yeah. I would cut loose? Fucking Marco. Mark. Get that guy out of here. <laughs> uh, don't we all think that? Unbelievable. We'll see. Yeah, they, we know they need to cycle. The big one of the biggest complaints we've had is just they have not cycled through the roster. They've be, they basically put this team together and they've rattled on about continuity and they've made like a few minor additions and that's it over the last two years and that's just like not good enough for where this team is at it's not good enough in general like you said always taking shots heat taking shots on guys teams cycling through players uh, and making key changes and the bulls just haven't done it since uh their big offseason a couple years ago so hopefully we see more activity this season we know they need more activity so hopefully they do do that um no draft picks for right now 
Go, I'm go gonna ahead. add one more name here. All right. I saw on Ricky's list. Damian Lee can shoot oh, the crap yeah. out of the ball and was totally out of the rotation for the Suns. Wasn't he was he like tops in the league at one point? Or I don't know if he qualified for attempts, but I feel like he shot like 45% or something like that from three this year. Something really good. He was and one he of the top the shooters, yeah. Yeah, and he beat the Bulls in a game that a three-pointer that I believe should not have counted a few years back when he was with the Warriors. Uh, also has like, the uh curry connection. Yeah, that's he, right. He's that's like right. I'm married to one of the Curry's sisters, is that right? Yeah, I think yep. that's, that's something like that. Um, yeah, there you go. That is a good name. I mean, just a bench guy who can give you a bunch of minutes, chuck up threes. You can you can get him for the minimum. Yeah, so right. Why not? Absolutely right. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. Again, we got a, about a month or so until the uh, all that fun starts. Draft again. Right now, the Bulls have no pick. We'll see what happens there. But let's wrap up here real quick. Just some some finals talk, uh, Steph. Just your thoughts on the Heat somehow beating the Celtics. I was convinced. Let's convince the Celtics are going to win that game seven and even convinced after the slow start, the heat were going to blow it uh, after blow, losing the first three games. But Jimmy, Caleb Martin, um, come through. The Celtics choke on it. Certainly cannot complain about a Boston team choking on it in a game seven, especially on their home court. So that was a lot of fun. Bulls and six. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was, I know, I was so worried about, I was kind of worried about Jimmy's legacy. Like, as Jimmy guys here, like having him to live down a, a three, uh, the first of its kind, 3 0 blown lead would have been really tough for the Jimmy defense, but he didn't do it. Celtics choked instead. Love to see it. Jimmy back in the finals. It's just how surprised were you that the Heat were able to pull that off? And do you think they have any chance against the Nuggets? Because, like, you look at it, the Nuggets, I mean, they've been awesome. They got Jokic. Uh, they've done great against the zone. Like, the Heat, like, whatever, their secret weapon against the Celtics was, like, the zone defense. The Nuggets have torched that. They've torched the Heat in general in recent seasons. Um, you, But, like, the, the way the Heat have kind of done this with this hot, red-hot shooting with Jimmy playing at such a high level – like uh, and with Spolcher just being like a, a coaching wizard, like I don't want to like count them out and say like, oh yeah, the Nuggets are going to sweep through them like they did the Lakers. Although those games are all close, but like, so like my respect for Jimmy and the Heat, like say that they'll at least make it someone competitive. It just seems like it's going to be super hard for them again after a long series. Jimmy is kind of banged up with the Denver altitude, like for them to actually win it. But do you think they can at least make this competitive? Or maybe you think they can win. I don't know. But like I I will not be picking that. I think the Nuggets will win. I think they can make it competitive. You know, you look back at the 2020 bubble series and Jimmy just went totally insane to steal two of those games yeah. when they that heat team was extremely overmatched too. But uh yeah, like you said, I mean it's gonna be really tough for them. Like I think they had I think he had pretty good matchups to get to this point. Like they've always played the Celtics pretty well. They've played the Bucks okay. Um, Giannis got hurt <clears throat> yeah and of course you know they got some good luck there too uh but like the Nuggets are just a totally different team they're so big I mean Michael Porter's playing the three for them he's like 610 I think or something and the Heat's weakness is they're they're a really small team like Bam's yeah. 69 playing center their backup centers aren't terrible like Zeller is just like a total stiff out there Kevin Love you know he gives them some size but he can't really guard Jokic uh, you mentioned the stuff about the zone, but I think what the Heat do well is they they are aware of when they're underdogs and they just ramp up the variance. You mentioned the hot shooting. They just get a lot of three-pointers up. I had a stat um, about just like how crazy three-point variance is in determining these games. I think it was like at this point, I think it's teams are 66 and 16 when they're the better shooting team in the game, which again brings back Brings me back to just how important shooting the Bulls. is in the league. Yeah, exactly. The Bulls need it. So it's not even 
that stat is independent of attempts. Like it doesn't matter how many attempts you have. Just if you shoot better from three than your opponent in a game, in a playoff game, 66 out of those like 79 games, that team won. So can the Heat shoot better than the Nuggets in a couple of these games from three? Like definitely. They have they have pretty good, pretty streaky shooters. I, I think that can swing a couple games, but ultimately the Nuggets have a lot of really good shooters too. Yeah. Like they they have this unbelievable offense uh, and the best player in the league arguably (laughs) i I really i don't i don't think the heat have a very good chance like if the gambling markets have it at about uh, 75 25 nuggets heat that's about what i would have it at as well yeah so like nuggets in five maybe six again yeah if the heat shooters keep it because they're the heat the heat was a weird team was one of the reasons why they were so bad in the regular season was all their good shooters like came back down to earth. Like Duncan Robinson, I think yeah. Struce's numbers were down. I think Vincent's numbers were down. Just their shooters came back down to earth and like that injury, some injury stuff too. But that was one of the reasons why their offense was so just shitty in the regular season. But now they're all, all their guys are shooting well again. And, and Jimmy's doing Jimmy's stuff. And here they are using that, that hot three point shooting in Jimmy to get to the finals. But yeah, it does feel like just like, the Jokic thing. I mean, the dude's averaging a triple double in the final or in the playoffs, and he just seems like he's ready to win it. And like Murray's was awesome against the Lake uh, in the last couple series. Uh, you said Porter is can be a great shooter. KCP is a really nice role player. Like they'll probably throw Aaron Gordon on Jimmy, and that's some size that they can. I mean, he's what six eight, six nine, athletic, uh, and that can be tough, especially if Jimmy is struggling with the ankle still, which I think he probably kind of was or has been a bit. Uh, certainly no excuse, but like if you're going to throw a big athletic guy like Aaron Gordon on Jimmy, who's not doesn't might not have all his explosiveness, like that could be pretty tough. Uh, I just so I don't know if he's going to be able to whatever have those huge games, but who knows? I mean, Jimmy is awesome. Maybe he will be able to pull another game or two out of his ass like that. Ricky, uh, what would you what do you think? I know you've been the you've been on the Nuggets. What's your? I got a couple. I got a couple bets on the Nuggets. One right. I don't remember placing. I thought I just had. <laughs> Those are the best really bets. small bet on them, but apparently I bet on them at the start of the playoffs. Too. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Nugs. I think the Nugs uh, are just the better, more complete team. I think their size is going to be uh, a big factor against Miami, as Steph said. And all the pieces just fit so well for the Nuggets. My only thing with the Nuggets all year has been, like, Murray can really be a roller coaster. Like, when he's bad, he can be pretty bad. And he was electric, obviously, in the conference finals. Uh, And so that's just like my only thing is like Jamal Murray. Don't shoot them out of games. Like at least just keep the ball moving. Remember, it's a Jokic team. But yeah, I would say Denver in five. Uh, And I wouldn't even be surprised if it's four. I think Denver is going to run over him. And I think Miami's too worn down. If Miami would have taken care of business in the conference finals, I think potentially this could be a different series because I do think Spo, you know, could potentially poke holes in Jokic's defensive weaknesses. He's uh, just so brilliant in terms of the way he adjusts to his opponents, but I don't think he has the horses. I think, you know, Jimmy didn't look a hundred percent whatsoever in game seven. Uh, And then, you know, Gabe Vincent playing hurt. Just like, I just don't think they have enough bodies. Tyler hero X factor coming back in game, whatever three, like they say he's going to, (laughs) I think uh, nuggets are going to hammer him, and I'd say nuggets in five. Yeah, I would say Nuggets in five or six as well. But I mean, I've been doubting the Heat this entire time. I doubt I picked. I said the Bulls were going to beat them in the plan. They almost did, but I was adamant that was going to happen. They didn't, uh, and they keep winning. So who knows? Maybe they'll pull one more bullshit series out of their ass and win it all. And <laughs> Jimmy can cement himself as a future Hall of Fame. That what, I was asked this earlier today. We can wrap it up here on this. Someone asked, someone asked me just about like legacy stuff, and 
like and I and whatever with like Jimmy. Like, do you think Jimmy is a Hall of Famer right now? Or and would you think? Or I think if you want to, if they somehow won this year, I think that would like lock him in. Do you think like right now, if they lose this series, even Jimmy is a Hall of Fame famer will will be a Hall of Famer with his resume that he has right now. No doubt. I mean, right. uh, let me. So he's made six All Star games. Five all be all NBAs. So that's the impressive thing. It's really hard to make an all NBA yeah. team. Uh and all defensive teams. Yeah. Uh, I think he's five times all defensive. Obviously, his playoff legacy speaks for himself. I mean, taking that 2020 team to the finals was absolutely ridiculous. Taking this team, yeah. I mean, this team is like look, you look at the talent on this team. <laughs> yeah. There's no way they should be in the it's all Jimmy Butler. Like yeah. I know Stan McGunny was saying that Caleb Martin is the best player in the series which i thought was completely ridiculous like it's totally even, ignoring how the series started like yeah, Martin yeah even with jimmy's end, but... even with jimmy's like whatever injury his shooting obviously kind of fell off there but whatever he basically won them the first two games uh and like he was i mean even with this poor efficiency he was still like 25 7 and 6 like numbers and then the defense and then he was obviously great in game seven and even the terrible game six he had he single-handedly almost won that game in the last whatever three minutes and had them in position to win and, and win and yeah, nobody's, nobody's gonna remember those three free throws but like that was right. so clutch and we saw him yeah. do that so he was like one of the best clutch free throw shooters yeah. uh, like of all time when he was on the bulls i looked at the stats one time for a story that i did um so yeah yeah First, well, like I said, I would, Hall of Famer to be. I would love to see Jimmy win it all. Just don't think it's going to happen in the cards, but we'll see. Hope, I just want a good series. I know whatever we've seen the bullshit about all oh, like the ratings and terrible ratings for the series and the Lakers Celtics would have been so much better, but whatever. Yeah, I don't care I about wanted, that. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I don't care about the ratings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ratings. I'm going to be not, watching. Yeah. Like, why do we care? Like, we just want to see good basketball and like tons of great storylines in this series. Yeah. So and, and, that, like, uh, yeah there was like the Chris get their, their money's worth on that advertising budget. Like, right. Exactly. It doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, there was like the Chris Mannix nugget stuff. It's like, if you can't find the nuggets seem interesting, that's like a, a you problem. Like they at Jokic is one of the most interesting players in the league is a two time MVP. First time the Nuggets are in the finals, the Jimmy the Jimmy Heat stuff is super compelling. Eight seed, his, historic stuff in this finals all over the place. So like, if you can't enjoy this, uh, again, hopefully just the Heat do have enough left to make it competitive, and we can get a somewhat extended series. I mean, even if it's a sweep, like as long as like most of the games are good, like the Lakers Nuggets series was a sweep, but like that was an awesome series to watch. Like there was the chess match there; they were all close games. Like so, like just give me close games. I do worry about tomorrow night being just a complete fucking beatdown, uh, just because. I guess we'll see if the Nuggets are how rusty they are. They've had over a week off, but like the Heat playing that seven game series, all in emotion. And then I know they've been great in these game ones. I think they have some streak of like five or six straight. They won game ones, but like going to Denver, coming off a of game seven, Nuggets being well rested seems like the recipe for a blowout. So like I, I don't want to overreact to that game if it is a blowout. Like I said, I think the Heat could easily come back and win game two. But um, again, I just do think the Nuggets are too much, but we'll see. Hopefully we had a competitive series, but. That'll do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations. Steph, thank you again for joining us. Please, again, I feel like most people who listen to this already know where to find you. But please, again, if you want to shout out any of your work or the, uh, where everybody can find, find you at, please do it right now. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on all social platforms at, well, not Instagram, but all the other ones, at Steph, no, S-T-P-H-N-O-H. And I've been doing these one-minute TikToks during the playoffs, uh, just breaking down like some stuff you might not have caught watching the games live, like some strategy stuff, and just learning, you know, ins and outs of X's and O's. Uh, they've been pretty popular, so give those Thanks. a look if you are on TikTok. Yeah, a lot of garbage on TikTok, not Steph's 
breakdowns. It's actually <laughs> good, you. smart Thank stuff. You, Jason. Uh, <laughs> because we, yeah, we know all, all a lot of the uh, trash that's out there on social media and TikTok, but stuff is bringing you bringing you great basketball knowledge, making you smarter about the game. Uh, there's plenty of stuff out there that is not doing that lowbrow stuff, but that is not stuff. He, as as Ricky has said, he's got a sharp mind for the game. He's gonna want to learn a bit about the game and just kind of know what you're watching and not just like whatever being an emotional idiot, which is also fun at times too because we do it all the time. But <laughs> you want to learn about the game? Steph's got you covered. So thank you again for joining us. Please follow all his great coverage as we added in the finals here. Heat Nuggets starts tomorrow night. That is Thursday. Uh, in Denver for game one. So again, hopefully that is a lot of fun. That's going to do it for us here on this episode. Cash Considerations, Ish Cowboys podcast. Shout out to the Blue Iron Network. As always, as we go into the finals, please go check out all, all the other great NBA finals and just basketball and other sports coverage all across Blue Wire. We'll talk about the finals as well here on Cash. Please rate and review us. Give us our, those five-star ratings. Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us there. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. And of course, check out SBNation.com. Check out ClutchPoints.com for all this finals coverage. And as we head into the offseason, um, all the NBA coverage there as well and everything else across the sports world. So thanks again to Steph. This has been Jason Ricky for Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.